0: Okay, we are back here with a very special member of our church, one Mrs. Mary Lynn Martin. How are you, Mary Lynn?
1: I'm fantastic. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty
0: well. How's Bill doing?
1: Oh, he's doing great, too. Really good. uh, Staying in and keeping safe. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: Now, um,
0: how have you been spending your free time lately? I've heard
1: some things. <laughs> well, for so the last, uh, this is day number four of making masks. and These so far, are um,
0: medical masks,
1: right? That is correct. Okay. Uh, it's the kind with the pleats that are worn more by patients and nurses, not the... Uh, our big heavy plastic ones, like you see the N95, I think they're called. But it's uh, normal masks that you see.
0: Yeah, yeah, that a patient who has symptoms might wear, or a nurse might wear something. They're not necessarily going into a an ICU, but um, they're definitely still in short supply right now, right?
1: Definitely.
0: And how did you come about this?
1: I was trying to remember that. And I think I saw on Facebook that uh, uh, it was suggested that people could make some. Oh. Um, Once I heard about that, I have a long history of doing a lot of sewing for various and sundry things. And, I knew that I could do that and it was something that some way I could help. Yeah. A, has it been
0: difficult or do you think the average person who knows how to sew and has a sewing machine could pull it off?
1: The average person can pull it off easily depending on... Uh, I would say that your experience level uh, would determine which video you would use. I'm... The one that I prefer is one that I found from Deaconess Hospital's website that is actually, uh, doesn't spend so long telling you what size of fabric and elastic. They just get right to the nitty gritty of it.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. And did you have the materials on hand or did you get them from someplace?
1: Actually, I, one of the requirements is that it be 100% cotton. And I had a couple of bed sheets that did not, that they, they were just the flat sheets. They did not have um, bottom sheets, so I would prefer not to use them. Yeah. And that's what I have been using. Uh, it requires the 100% cotton fabric a piece of elastic and pipe cleaners or twist tie. And I've been fortunate that a number of people have been supplying me with elastic and and, and pipe cleaners. They basically say, I can't sell, but at least I can open this way. And they leave a bag on my front porch. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. So, um, I have heard also that Joanne Fabrics um, are staying open amid the shutdown and everything, and that they have made kits that have yes. everything that you need, and they'll even, uh, I believe, bring it out to your car if you just drive up to the store?
1: That is correct. So, now, that started on Monday, yesterday. That being the impatient type of person that I am, I started on Saturday. Yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's good. And how many masks have you made so far?
1: I have forty finished, and at this stage of the game, I started going in steps. I have another twenty, I think, that I've sewn the outside. They're waiting to be turned inside out and pleated and all that sort of stuff. In other words, I'm doing a whole bunch of them. By the end of today, I should have 60 made.
0: Oh, that's really great. That's really great. Well, thank you, Mary Lynn. Uh, it's, it's wonderful what you're doing. Um,
1: may, yeah. may I say one more thing? Absolutely. Something that I was really wondering about when I got going on these is, okay, I'm making Now, what do I do when I get finished ones? Yeah. And uh, one of my um, friends and a fellow church member, Susan Stanford, works for Cooper Cancer Center. And when I was going to chemo, um, I can't say enough good about Cooper. She is going to be stopping by tomorrow by my house to pick up everything that I have made today and take them in.
0: Cooper with her oh okay that's really great that's really great. and
1: um also I just wanted to say a quick I'm enjoying doing this because I want to be able to do what I can to help others but also it's keeping me from being bored <laughs> absolutely
0: yeah something we're all dealing with right now I think that's right. And I do see here that um, if you get the kits from Joanne Fabrics, you can uh, return the finished product to Joanne Fabrics, and they will get it where it needs to go. So yes, that's an that's, option, uh, too. Yeah, that's something that a
1: friend of mine is, uh, is doing.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you, Mary Lynn. You are teaching us about discipleship in the era of coronavirus. And you're teaching us about how we can still love our neighbors even though we're right not right next to them. So, well, yeah, we appreciate it. Okay, thank you, all right. I'll talk to you soon.
1: You bet. Bye bye. Boy,
0: I think we can all agree that Mary Lynn and Bill are gifts to our congregation and i miss them like i miss many of you and i uh i look forward to the day when we can all be together again if you have something you are doing uh to keep up the fight against the virus or just to spread a little bit of god's love in the world um from this place of social distancing please send me a text message or shoot me a phone call and uh, we'll put you on the exile cast. Uh, Just let me know what it is and we'll get you on here. And now let me leave you with our old Irish blessing. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rain fall softly on your fields. Until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. Grace and peace. Grace and peace, brothers and sisters. I'm Vicar Derek Kabylis from the United Methodist Church of Uniontown, and this is Exile Cast, March 24th. 2020. I have just a couple reflections for you today and then I want to invite a very special member of our congregation to tell us about a creative thing she's been doing to help spread the healing love of Jesus in this age of coronavirus. But first, you know, I've been hearing some mumbling grumbling out there. I've been hearing some mumbling on social media, some grumbling in a few articles I've read online, just a little bit of chatter or scuttlebutt or whatever you want to call it, just under the surface of things. It seems like people are starting to ask, is it worth it? Sure, we want to keep people safe, we want to keep folks out of the hospital, we want to do what we can, but but is it worth all this? I mean, we've shut down the country. Look at what it's doing to our economy. Look at the stock market. Look at the unemployment numbers. Is this really the answer? And I was struggling with that as I went to prayer this morning. And then in my devotional, I came across a very particular passage, the healing of the centurion's servant in Luke chapter 7. A centurion there had a slave whom he valued highly and who was ill and close to death. When he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him, asking him to come and heal his slave. When they came to Jesus, they appealed to him earnestly, saying, He is worthy of having you do this for him, for he loves our people, and it is he who built our synagogue for us. And Jesus went with them. But when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, Do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore I did not presume to come to you, but only speak the word, and let my servant be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and the slave does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave to be in good health. For I also am a man set under authority. That line spoke to me this morning, Because in a lot of ways, I am a man set under authority. For those who may not know how the system works, I am an elder, which means that I am under the authority of a bishop. And if the bishop tells me to do something, I pretty much have to do it. She gets to determine where I live which house I live in, what church I serve. She says move to such and such a place, and me and my wife and my dogs, we get up and move. Boy, it took me a while to get my spirit right with that when I was in seminary. Let me tell you, I think I've always had a problem with authority. I mean, you can ask my middle school teachers about that. And even more... Don't we all have a problem with authority? I mean, here in America, rebellion is basically in our genes, isn't it? It, it, It's something that I think most of us are proud of. It, It comes straight from the fight against King George and the Revolutionary War. We like our freedom. Our freedom from control. We like our freedom from oversight. We like... Our freedom from authority. But you know, with a little bit of faith and a whole lot of prayer, I learned that in my situation, in the United Methodist Church's situation, placing myself under the authority of another person was the best way to move forward. That for me, for us, at this point, it's best if I just... Do what I'm told. And and give Bishop Malone that authority over that part of my life. And look at that. That mentality gave me you folks. It brought me here to this church. And for that I'm thankful. Now as I look out over this community as I look out over Ohio or the US or even the world, as I feel the desperation people have over the phone and over social media, I think we have to ask who we're going to give our authority to. Is it the economists? Is it the talking heads on television? I think for me, It's got to be the doctors and twice on Sunday. It has to be the epidemiologists. It has to be the folks with MDs and PhDs and the folks that have studied just as hard, if not harder, than I have studied the Bible. Because they know what they're doing. Just as I like to think I know what I'm doing. And then I think about the folks in my life who are vulnerable to the disease. I have folks in my life, in my family, who if they caught this thing, they probably wouldn't make it. Even if there was a bed and a ventilator and a doctor just for them, they probably wouldn't make it. We have a lot of folks in our church family who wouldn't make it. So if you ask me, I'd hand over my salary right now if I knew it would save them. I'd give up my pension, my retirement, my meager investment portfolio. Because right now, in this situation, where we all find ourselves, these extraordinary times, it's what love demands. But for those of us who are watching the stock market with trembling hands and sweaty brows. I want you to know that I know it's painful. I know it hurts. I know it causes anxiety. I don't want to diminish that at all. That is a real pain and a justifiable worry. And you know, I came across another passage. And it comes from Habakkuk. So you know what must have come from the Lord, because I never read Habakkuk. And it says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the sheepfold, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of the deer, and he enables me to tread on the heights. These days, when it feels like we're at our lowest, when the stock market is in the cellar, the more we fix our eyes upon Jesus, And the more love we can conjure for our brothers and sisters, the more we will be able to tread on the heights. Let's hear from one of our church members.